the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Well, let's turn to Isaiah 54. Go to verse 17. Isaiah 54, verse 17 says, But in that coming day, no weapon turned against you will succeed. You will silence every voice raised up to accuse you, these benefits are enjoyed by the servants of the Lord. Their vindication will come from me. I, the Lord, have spoken. Well, what day is that, do you think? Well, I only had to turn back to Isaiah 53, where it's talking about who's believed our message and how he was wounded for our transgressions and so forth. The whole chapter is talking about when Jesus comes. See, once Jesus came, it changed everything. And now because of Jesus, no weapon formed against me can prosper. If I keep my eyes on Jesus and I keep my faith in Him, these are the benefits that are enjoyed by the servants of the Lord. Their vindication will come from me. I, the Lord, have spoken. God wants to take care of you. Do you remember when little David came up into the camp with a picnic basket full of cheese and crackers for his older brothers who were off to war? And they were all cowered down, afraid of the giant, Goliath, afraid of this monster. They dared not even pick their head up and look over the rocks for fear that he may see them and call them out because the, the, the enemy is taunting the children of Israel. And David said, why are all you guys hiding? What's going on? They said, get over here, David. He'll see you. Who'll see me? Goliath over there. He's, he's calling us out. He says, why y'all going to let that big guy over there scare you? They said, David, why don't you go back home and play with the sheep? You just over here talking big. David said, I'll fight him. What's wrong with you guys? And sometimes you want to look around and say, what's wrong with everybody? Why is everybody afraid? Why is nobody willing to go out and face the giants in life? Just easier to sit back and get a check, I guess. But they said, well, if you want to go get him, you go get him. Go talk to King Saul. So little David said, I will. He went and talked to King Saul, and Saul's like, son, what are you doing in here? Little pipsqueak. You're going to do what? You're going to go fight this nine and a half foot giant out there 
you probably all of what? Five, three or something? You're just a little boy. He was a man of war at your age. And look at him now. You can't go fight him. And David said, you know, I've been preparing for this. When the lion and the bear came to steal my sheep, I'd take them by the scruff of the neck and I'd tell them what's up. I killed the lion and the bear. God gave me victory. I have learned, I am walking with God. You don't understand. He talked to King Saul. Saul's like, go do it. Let's try it. David said, thank you, sir. And he's about to walk out the tent. And Saul said, hold on, hold on, hold on. Now you can't go out there by yourself. Well, you ain't even got no armor on. Here, put this on. Now, every boy in all of Israel would have just been, oh, I get to wear the king's armor. They would have been so excited. He puts on Saul's armor. Of course, Saul's the, a foot taller than anybody else in Israel, it says. That's why one of the reasons they made him king. And David's just this little boy. He probably was way down. He could probably barely walk with all this armor. He said, I know we're supposed to have armor on, but I can't wear this. This hadn't been tried out. It don't fit me. And he took that armor off. And he went out there, and you know the story. He defeated Goliath. We all need armor. Did David go out there without armor and win the battle? I'm here to tell you today, he went out there with the right armor. He went out there with spiritual armor. He went out there knowing who his God was. When Goliath growled at him, what are you, send, send, am I a dog that you send this little boy out to fight me? I'm going to lop your head off and feed it to the wild birds. And David says, you come at me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come at you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. And I tell you what, I'm not only going to cut your head off, but I'm going to cut all your men's head off and feed them to the birds of the air. In the name of my Lord. He came in the power, in the spiritual armor. He came out there ready for battle. It didn't, he didn't need natural armor. And I'm telling you, in the day in which we live, you can wear all the natural armor you want to. You can have a shotgun strapped to your side. You can wear a bulletproof vest. But I'll tell you what you need. You need spiritual armor. David wore armor, all right. Turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Last week, I didn't know we were starting a series. I don't know if it is, but I'm going to call it a series. We're going it week by week, but... We'll call it spiritual warfare. It's the first time I ever preached a message on spiritual warfare and barely mentioned the, the whole armor of God last week. So this week we're going to talk about the armor of God because you can't hardly understand spiritual warfare without knowing how you, you defend yourself in the spiritual arena, right? So tonight's lesson is part two, God's armor. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Now, if I were to ask you to raise your hand, if you've heard 10 or more preaching sermons 
on the whole armor of God, about half of you would raise your hands. And so you're saying, oh, here we go. I already know all this. But you know what? We've got young people in the church. We've got people, this may be the first time, they may not even have even heard of this principle of spiritual armor. And I think we all need to be reminded. Because you know what? This is one of the first scriptures I memorized as a young Christian. And I put it, and when I remind myself, I used to put it on every day. And here lately, I hadn't been putting it on until I started getting whooped spiritually. Then I reminded myself, I need to put the spiritual armor on. Because I'm telling you, there's a war waging whether you can see it in your natural eyes or not. I mean, you can turn on the news and see it's waging. Some of y'all sitting back hoping President Trump wins the war for you or something. I don't know. What President Trump is this saint needs is the same spiritual armor. We need to be praying that he puts his on. The whole armor of God. If this is your first time hearing this message, you need to take heed. Because we can't see into the spiritual realm very well. We look through a glass darkly. But we have an adversary, the devil, who roams about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And we need to be wearing our spiritual armor. Ephesians 6.10 says a final word. He means a final word because it's the last chapter of the book of Ephesians and he's getting toward the end. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. That tells you right there, you can go to the gym all you want. You can go down to guns and ammo and buy all the weaponry you want. But this ain't a, a battle that's in your own strength. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. The devil would love for you to think that you can whoop him in the natural. But it's God's armor that helps you stand against the strategies of the devil. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood. We talked about that last week. Our enemies are not the people. It's the spirits driving the people. We're fighting against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in heavenly places. Spiritual wickedness. The devil and his demons and his hordes and those controlled by him. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. Stand your ground. Putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on as salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Some people stop when they're reading 
about the whole armor, they stop after they put on, take the sword of the Spirit. Coming to salvation and the sword of the Spirit, they stop right there, but I don't. I think they're missing a vital piece of the armor if they stop there. In verse 18, it says, Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all, for, for all believers everywhere. It's hard for me to read it out of that translation because I got it memorized in the King James. <laughs> yeah. Take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Having done all to stand, stand therefore. Having your loins girt about with the truth. Having on the breastplate of righteousness. Your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith. Wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Taking the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. And watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. That's the way I know it. But I wanted, I wanted you to see it in the, in the New Living in case, you know, you may not want to learn all that King James. But either way you learn it, learn it. If it was important enough for me to memorize all that, I did it by saying it every day. Saying it, saying it. Because I had to put it on every day. One of the things I want you to notice is that all of God's armor covers your front. The breastplate is in the front, the belt of truth. Of course, it goes around the back, but it doesn't cover your back of your legs or nothing's on, on your back. Why? Because we're not supposed to be turning, tailing, and run. We're never supposed to put our back to the enemy. We're supposed to stand firm. Having done all to stand, stand therefore. The armor will take the brunt of the, 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 the enemy's force. It will protect you. We are not supposed to turn tail and run. We just need to stand. Jesus is our rear guard. He's got our back. So we're going to talk about these different pieces of armor. What does it mean? Just is Are you just saying, say this, pastor, and I'll be good? You know, quoting scripture without out an understanding of scripture, without a rhema, if, if it's not alive to you, if you don't have faith in what you're saying, you're just you're just. Mock, you're, you're like a parrot. You're just saying something. People say the, the prayer all the time to be saved, but they didn't mean it in their heart. Are they saved? I don't think so. It's the, with the heart, man believes into a right, righteousness. With the mouth, confession is made to salvation. So you need to believe it. You need to study this scripture. You need to understand it. So we're going to talk about these different pieces to kind of give you an understanding of what we're doing here. The belt of truth. You see, your, your pants will fall down if you don't have a belt. And the whole armor of God will come crashing down into a heap without the truth of God. The truth is what holds it all together. In fact, the belt of truth would, would have some straps that go around, you know, in the Roman army. They would, they would, the belt of truth would have some straps around here, and it would have a cross strap in the back that comes over the shoulder, and it would have some little things here that you hook the breastplate on to. And, in case, and so, so if you don't have the truth, the belt of truth on, you have nothing on which to hang the righteousness on. So the, the truth is foundational. What do I mean foundational? It's either the rock 
The foundation on which you stand or it's the rock that's going to crush you and fall on you. God's word is the source of absolute truth. I know all of you in here in next level class know that. I know you know that. If you have a disagreement with someone, go to the word of God. It's the final authority. Why is our justice system in America failing? Why does it take you over a year to get your court case heard? Why is it jailhouse full of people who hadn't even been to court yet? It's because we have lost our way in America. We have lost the concept that there is a right and a wrong and an absolute truth, and we have tried to make truth relative and give everybody their share of truth. And let Okay, well, if that's what you believe, it must be true. But no, that's not true. I don't care how much you believe that you're a man, you're still a woman. And vice versa. If the facts indicate otherwise. Right? You can't have, you can't, de everybody can't ha develop their own truth. That's why we, we have to sign all these contracts and stuff. Nobody's handshake is any good because their truth might be different from yours and everybody's opinion is valid and it's not. The word of God is valid. And anything outside of that is shifting sand. Jesus told us a story about two people who built a house. One dug deep and got down to the bedrock and built his house on a firm foundation of truth. And the other person just threw it up on the sand and the wind and the waves came, you know, and it beat against both houses. One of them, great was the fall of it, but the other one stood. He says, my word will stand. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word will still be standing. The truth will remain. When you have everybody making up their own truth, what you have is a world full of chaos. Psalm 62, 5. 62 verse 5 says, Let all that I am wait quietly before God, for my hope is in Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. My fortress where I will not be shaken. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress, and I will not be shaken. Do not let anybody or anything shake you off the word of God. Though it may come in different packages and it may sound good, Check everything against the Word of God. Even the preaching that you hear in your church and on your favorite preachers. Be like the Bereans who would check everything against the Word of God. Hold fast to that which is good, the Bible says. But let go of everything that's not written in the Word of God. Verse 7 says, My victory and my honor come from God alone. He is my refuge, a rock where no enemy can reach me. See, you're safe with the truth. 
You are safe with the truth. Can you say, I know in whom I have believed? See, Jesus is the word and he is the truth. And so when you say, when you say, I don't know about this truth, you're saying, I don't know about Jesus. There's hardly nothing stronger than you can say in your faith is that I know in whom I have believed. I want to get somewhere else, but I better save it for later. John 1.17 says, For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. The law was given by Moses, and the law is true, right? Nobody's, the law is not passed away. We're just not under the law. We don't have to be under the law because love doesn't break the law. We're under the commandment of love. We're, our, our commandment is even stronger than the law. Okay? Well, the law came by Moses. But grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. You say, well, what does that mean? Well, it's like the written word, the Bible, is the story, and Jesus Christ is the illustrations. In Jesus, you see the picture of the Godhead bodily. You see the face of God in Jesus Christ. So you have people take the word of God and they interpret it in the wrong spirit. And you can take the word of God and cut people up with it and you can make it into something that it's not. You can just do anything you want to with it. In the wrong spirit. But that's why you need both. You need the word of God and you need the face of Jesus Christ. Because when you see Jesus, you see how... God in the flesh applied the Word of God. The Spirit in which it was written. That makes sense? I didn't explain that well. Let's talk about the breastplate of righteousness. You heard... You heard, let me go back to that for a minute. You heard Jesus several times arguing with the Pharisees. He said, you give tithes of your mint and your coming and all these little things, and you do all the little things of the law, but yet you ignore things like loving your parents and taking care of folks. You see what I mean by the difference? How some people will interpret it out of the wrong spirit? Jesus said, I didn't say you shouldn't tithe. I just said you should do this other thing too. Just an example that came to me. But all through it, he, he, he dealt with people who were interpreting his word wrong. And he was showing us the love of God. Grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Thank goodness that we're just not under the law. And we're, we're not out uh, killing sheep and goats tonight. And slaughtering bulls. Thank goodness. 
Jesus showed us a picture of God's heart in the Scriptures. Some of the Scriptures, the things that happened in the Old Testament are very, very hard to take. Some of you may struggle through, and I have, and I still do when I see things where God had them do this or that and destroy whole nations. And you struggle with how did God, do, you know, the loving God allow this to happen. But God used the Old Testament as our example. He was showing us what justice demands. This is what is supposed to happen. When you act like that, when you're a heathen, when you serve false gods, this is the, the just punishment. But then he sent Jesus. To pay the penalty for all our sins. Because we knew we were dead in our sins and trespasses and hopelessly lost without a Savior. And Jesus paid the penalty. But, but if we didn't know what the just penalty was for our sins, we wouldn't appreciate the grace that we have in Jesus. But so many people want to just go back to the law. Oh, you foolish Galatians. Did you start out in the spirit, but now you want to go back to the flesh? They just want a spiritual pride. Look at me. I'm better than you. And they get in error. We must not forget what Jesus did for us. And out of our love and appreciation we should have no problem following the law and loving others. Because we love because he first loved us, man. What do you, you got to do something with this love. This love's not going to do ill to his neighbor now. How am I not going to forgive others when he forgave me from the cross? And it's the Spirit. Grace and truth came by Jesus Christ and revealed Something that just the law itself could not do. The law is our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. And this is not my message at all, but I think it is. This is spiritual warfare. Because I'm telling you right now, there's a whole industry. There's a whole dark industry out there to, uh, dedicated to ca causing Christians to be hard and critically have critical spirits and, and be puffed up and get into spiritual pride and pointing fingers at each other and trying to tear other people down. A whole industry. And if I thought to myself, if I was the devil and I wanted to destroy the church of America, what would I do? I'd get everybody pointing fingers and saying, y'all ain't doing that right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Until you, you paint the church into such a corner, there's nowhere for the church to go. I, I'm over here. I thought we were supposed to love folks, but they said I couldn't love that guy because of this. And I, I'm, I'm just, I'm. You get to where you're scared to love somebody. Is that the spirit behind this book? Am I yelling again? Let's get to the breastplate of righteousness. <laughs> All right. We got their belt, belt on. We know what the truth is. Now we got this thing covering our heart. Our, our most important organ, and maybe other than our brain, is covering our heart, this breastplate. 
What is this thing? It's righteousness. Right standing with God. Because I'm just, I'm the awesome Christian. I'm good. I'm perfect. And I'm right with God. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.21 Make no mistake about it. Your righteousness is not of yourself. It is from what Jesus Christ did, and you put your faith in what the work that the finished work that he did. Your righteousness is transferred to you by Jesus Christ. That is your right standing. You know, down there in Shaw, Mississippi, I still know a few people that knew, knew my family. If I wanted to go dove hunting bad enough, I could probably drive down there and knock on a few doors of them farmers down there. They might not even recognize me. But I could say, my name's Guy Sheffield. My, you might know my daddy Emery. Oh, yeah, you, you're Emery's boy. You mind if I hunt your 40 acres back there? Go ahead, you're Sheffield. Don't even know me. But I can hunt the land because of my daddy. That makes sense? Ain't got nothing to do with me. But the righteousness is all of him because I'm a, I'm a Sheffield. I can hunt because I'm a Christian because Jesus is in my heart because he, he became sin for me. Now I'm without sin. Positionally. God has given us his name. And it's in his righteousness we stand. We don't have to be Afraid of losing our right standing then, do we? If it's because of his righteousness that I stand, I got nothing to worry about because his righteousness ain't ever going to change. It is when I begin to think about my righteousness that I begin to question. Oh, I don't even know if I'm saved. And we begin to get under condemnation. And the devil, oh, he's getting in. He's getting into your heart. You, you've taken off the breastplate of the righteousness God provided, and you've tried to provide your own. And now the devil's he's throwing them fiery darts right at your heart. Remember, your righteousness is not of yourselves. It is of God. You keep, keep that breastplate of righteousness on. It's based on our holy God, not our unholy tendencies. Keep your heart safe. All right, let's talk about the shoes of the good news. Feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the King James says. That's big fancy language. It just means you got a pep in your step. Because you got joy. Because you know you got a purpose and a calling. The devil's trying to step on your toes, but he can't get to them. Because you're dancing all the way to heaven. Your feet are moving. You're out there spreading the gospel. The, the, the shoes of the good news. God has given you purpose in your life. And it feels good. <laughs> you know, 
If you've ever been to a restaurant and you see some employees sometimes, you know that they're not a shareholder there. Well, you won't. You want that to go? Just no enthusiasm. Can't wait to clock out. But you make them a stockholder. You get you make them an owner of the a co-owner of the business. That would all change, wouldn't it? <laughs> That's the difference. God wants you to be a co-owner of this thing. He don't want you just down here waiting on him to come back. He wants you busy. He wants you helping him. He wants you to, he, he's letting you play in this sandbox called earth with him. As we, we uh, explore our calling and our purpose. That's what we try to do here at the church. There's a, there's a big difference than just a church member and a, just a church attender. You know, if you're just a church attender, you don't work here, you don't, you don't serve on a team, you hadn't made many relationships here, it's easy for you to, oh, I don't feel like going today to change churches. You know, I don't like the, you know, that preacher. I don't like the way he said that. I'm out of here. But man, you got investments here. Your children grew up here. You know, you, you got friends here. You work in a department. You're serving God here. You're using your gifts and talents here. You're not just going to easily be uprooted. And see, God wants us to be like trees planted by the living water. Fruit is produced when you stay in the vine. And you use the gifts and callings. Ephesians 6.15, for, for shoes put on the peace that comes from the good news, it says in the New Living Translation. What? Peace? Isaiah 52.7 says, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. How beautiful are your feet when you're spreading the good news? The good news of peace and salvation. The news that the God of Israel reigns. That's the way they said it in the Old Testament. The good news today is Jesus died on the cross for you, man. He loves you. He'll be your Lord and Savior. If you repent, He'll forgive you of your sins. That's the good news. And it brings peace to us who bring the good news. And it brings peace to those who are dying and, and lost out there without any hope in this world. The shield of faith. Take the shield, taking up the shield of faith. Above all, it says above all. I used to think that was the most important because it said above all taking the shield of faith. But it doesn't, I don't think it means that. I think it just means out front. Above, above all, out front. Take up the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. The New Living Translation says fiery arrows. Same thing. Uh, if you've never heard this concept, it's usually explained as those fiery darts or thoughts and suggestions thrown to you at your mind by the devil. But it could, you know, it could be, like I said, fiery darts thrown at your heart if you move that breastplate of righteousness. The devil is trying to get rid of you. He's throwing the, the main, see, the main thing, the battle is going on between the hedges. Anybody ever watch Georgia Bulldog football? In their stadium, they call it between the hedges. They got hedges alongside the football field. 
That's what it, the battle between the hedges. Well, the battle is going on between the hedges of your ears. If you're like me, you're growing a little hedges on top of them by now. I'm my age. I shave my ears more than I do my face. <laughs> Give me a couple of weeks, I'll look like a penguin, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you got a feather in your cap. No, I just ain't shaving. <laughs> But look, the devil is throwing fiery darts against you, against God, against the church. He's throwing accusations. He's accusing. He's, he's pointing out. He's trying to get you under condemnation. He's trying to get you to, he's lying to you, trying to get you to harm yourself. Whatever he can do to trip up, confuse, and lie you, to you so that you can harm yourself and harm others and believe the lies that he's telling those are the fiery darts. But your doubts and those fiery darts are quenched by the truth that you believe. When you know the truth, the truth will set you free. And what you believe is what? Your faith. So take your shield of faith and say, the devil comes at you and says, Woo, you need to go after that girl. She sure is hot. Devil, I'm married. <laughs> okay? so if somebody told me if we was in the mall and somebody said come up to me and said sir uh, we, we caught your wife shoplifting I would know that's a lie why because I know her character. There's no way she would be still. It's a, it may be a, uh, a mistake or something, but I know her character would not allow her to steal. And in the same way, I'm not susceptible to lies about myself, about God, about what I believe, because I know in whom I believe. I know my faith is strong. You build your faith. Your faith is, is the things that you believe, and your faith must be based on the truth. And if you know the truth, you won't be susceptible to the lies. We talked about last week. Some people have gone into error and gone off chasing the lies down, trying to defeat the devil on his own territory. Stay out of the devil's territory. Stay in the truth, and you won't listen to those lies. You get over here, you begin to listen to the voice of a stranger because you're in unfamiliar territory and you get confused and you get caught up in the darkness. Stay in the light as he is in the light. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will walk in the light of life. Right? I think I mixed up two scriptures there, but you know what I'm saying. All right, then you have the helmet of salvation. Better hurry up. One year I was playing peewee football. I was number 76 on the YMCA football team out of Oakshire in Whitehaven. And I was on the line. I was a lineman. I don't know why. But just we're probably nine or ten years old. And uh, <clears throat> we was playing this team coming up. And everybody says, man, they're a mean team. 
They will claw your eyes out. When you get in a pile, when you're at the bottom of the pile, they're kicking and scratching and biting, and they'll poke your eyes out. Now, I had this old-timey helmet. I'm, ta- I'm talking old-timey for back in the 70s, okay? It was so old-timey that it had a pad that ran from the front to the back. And I'm not talking about on the inside. I'm talking about it had a pad on the outside. I've never seen a helmet like it since. But it was so old. But it only had old Roger Stahlbeck tri- kind of face guard in the front, you know, the old time. And when they said they were going to poke my eyes out, I said, Mama, 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 Mama. What? I need to get me one of them things like them other, them new helmets got, the crossbar. They said they're going to poke my eyes out. They better not poke your eyes out. Where can we get one of those things? We ran down there. This helmet was so old, there wasn't no retrofitting. But they had this one, this one thing that he just drilled on to my helmet. You know, a horseshoe. And then it came down and it kind of clamped on to the front. It was a, a, re- it was a retrofit to the helmet. <laughs> my stories are mostly true, Paul. Why, yes. <laughs> they may be exaggerated, but, but they are true. And I got this helmet, and we played that football team, and I didn't get poked. I didn't get scratched. Nothing happened to me, but I was glad I got my thing anyway. But why do I say that? Because we let fear drive us. And what the helmet of salvation does is it should take away all fear. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. If the devil comes at me and says, I'm going to kill you, I'll say, well, have your way. It's supposed to be a promotion for me. You see, the helmet of salvation says, I know in whom I have believed, and I know that he is going to prepare a place for me, and I know that where he is, I will be. And it takes fear out of the equation in life. Are you understanding that this spiritual armor, the more you understand it, the more it works. It soothes your heart, it brings peace, and it keeps you from the lies and the deceit of the enemy. 1 John 5.11 says, and this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have God's Son does not have life. Is that simple enough? What's, the, what's the, the factor here? What you believe about Jesus. You have him or you don't. But verse 13 says, I have written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. No other religion in the world promises that you can know. They all say, well, we, you know, if you're good enough, maybe. If you do this, maybe. And then poor folks out there hoping and praying and turning towards Mecca and all this stuff, hoping that maybe they got a grade on a curve. 
They got no, no power that we have to overcome sin, no Holy Spirit, no blood, no word, no truth. They out there just hoping that they can be good enough. But the Bible says, he who has a son has life. And this is written that you may know that you have eternal life. In Romans 8, it says that his spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if you're questioning your salvation, then you need to understand that you're saved by grace through faith. And if you're questioning, like we have inmates at the jail, you know, last week they raised their hand to get saved. This week they're raising their hand again to get saved. I'm like, they don't understand. They don't understand. They're either missing something about grace or they're missing something about faith. Because Ephesians 2.8 says we're saved by grace through faith. And faith is, is putting your hope in Jesus and not in yourself. And if you've done that, then his spirit should be bearing witness with your spirit that, hey, you've been adopted into the family. I'm, I'm Abba now. And you should know. And you should not be questioning. If you're questioning, it's because you're going back to wanting to put a thing on your helmet. <laughs> wanting to do something in the natural. you got to earn it. I'm not worthy of it. I, don't, I think I've lost my salvation. Well, if you think that, then you, you're, you're basing it on you again. And you've got off the center, and your salvation is based on Christ alone. I'm telling you right now, Dr. Adrian Rogers would be happy with this message. <laughs> All right, let's get to the sword of the Spirit and let's close down. The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God when it comes out of your mouth. Jesus said, or they said of Jesus in Revelation 1.16, He held the seven stars in His right hand and a sharp two-edged sword came from His mouth. He was speaking the Word of God. He is the Word of God. The seven stars are the seven churches that He is defending. And His face was like the sun in all its brilliance. The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God in your mouth. This is the Word of God when you... When yielded against the lies of the enemy. It's to be yielded against the lies of the enemy and even against natural forces and such that challenge our covenant with God. Sometimes the enemy ain't involved. Maybe sometimes there's just sickness and disease or something that happens. But it's challenging what you know to be true about your blood covenant with Jesus Christ and you have to stand up with the sword of God and fight. You fight the good fight of faith with the sword of the Spirit in your mouth. Some of us, we just take whatever will be, will be. And we just allow sickness and disease and, and anything else, poverty and lack and all of that to overcome us. And we never say, no, the Scriptures say, my blood covenant says, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And we don't fight with the sword of the Word of God. The Word of God is alive and powerful, sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, it says in Hebrews 4.12. Isaiah 55.11 says, So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, 
But it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. That's the Lord speaking through the prophet Isaiah. His word shall not come back void. We need to know that there's power in the word of God. It is a sword in the spirit. It is what cut the devil up when the devil tried to come against Jesus. Gave Jesus the victory. And then of course we have, after the sword of the spirit, we're praying always with all prayer, supplication in the spirit. Prayer! Prayer! Communication is the lifeline of any army. Right? Have you ever heard of an EMP? Somebody was telling me about electromagnetic pulse bomb. Many people think that that's what may bring down America, the great power of the world, the superpower of America, is if somebody were to detonate, I'm glad I just stopped where I did, detonate like a, a nuclear device, 100 miles above Kansas or something, the, the, the electromagnetic pulse that would be emitted from that would be such that it would knock out all communication. It would blow the two transistor tubes and everything, and all our computers would be fried, and all our phones would be gone. And the great America couldn't possibly lose a battle with all the warships and the planes that we have. would be a sitting duck if we couldn't tell the warships where to go and what's happening. And the president himself couldn't even command the troops. They didn't even know we were at war until it's almost over. I'm not trying to scare you, but I'm just saying, communication is important. And prayer is your communication with your power source. With your king. It is said that a prayerless church is a powerless church. For good reason. Jesus said, my house shall be a house of prayer. When you get home tonight, dedicate your house as a house of prayer. Say, I will not allow the enemy to to come and ransack us. For me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Make these declarations. Let that sword come out of your mouth. Put this armor on, my friends. Understand it. You may not see it, but you put it on and you believe it and you are defended against everything that the enemy would want to do to you. The truth shall set you free. Praying always with all prayer and supplication. Supplication. I looked that word up. It means begging earnestly. I didn't know that. I, I always saw it as prayer with, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. I thought supplication meant an addition in the Spirit. That you prayed in the natural and then you prayed in the Spirit too. That's the way I saw that scripture. But just, just studying for this message. Supplication means the begging earnestly. You know, the, the fervent prayer of a righteous man, the effective, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, James says. Effective means it's in line with the word. It's speaking the word. And then fervent means your heart is in it. You can't help it. You're yelling again. You mean this stuff. 
The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man, a man who knows his standing in Jesus Christ, avails much. Thank you, Lord, for that scripture. It tied everything together. It avails much. It, it makes available much to you. It gives you the victory. <laughs> That's good. Little David whooped a huge nine and a half foot giant because he knew who he was in Christ. He may not have understood that he is putting on spiritual armor, but his faith and his sense of duty to go fight for his king, the Lord Jesus, his God, the Lord of heaven's armies, the, everything that he was doing, was an un, he had an understanding of who his God was. And he walked in the power and authority that God wants to get to you. God wants you to be a powerhouse. He don't want you waking up in the morning trembling because of what's the devil's going to do today. He wants the devil waking up in the morning wondering what you're going to do today. What you say, the sword of the Spirit, what you believe, this righteousness that God has provided, this truth, this purpose, this assurance, and that sword, you can stand. Lord, I just thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for your truth coming forth in, in every regard. Lord, thank you for the whole armor. Thank you for watching over our lives and teaching us and growing us so that we're not deceived. I feel like sometimes people, even in the church, they want to they play around with the things in the enemy's camp. They think, well, I know these things and if I get in any trouble, I'll pull back. My friend, this is not time play games you need to be whole hog the devil's favorite tool is to sit back and watch you on a slow fade of one compromise after another till you lose sight of who you are in Christ and, and he catches you with this armor off then it's a fiery dart something that you You hadn't considered. Give the devil no place. Just press into Jesus. Press into his word. Keep this armor on and keep fighting the good fight of faith. Lord, thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.